Welcome to the Read, Write, and Create podcast, the podcast where you get a bite-sized session of creative writing coaching from me, Lori L. Tharps. I'm an award-winning author of both fiction and nonfiction, a journalist, and a former college professor. And I've spent more than 20 years writing, teaching, and coaching creative writers, and I created this podcast because I want to help as many BIPOC writers as possible get their stories out of their heads and into the world. So let's go. Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of the Read, Write, and Create podcast. I am so excited to be launching this podcast, which feels very much like a marriage of a passion project and my professional life with a touch of magic from our literary ancestors. I want to first start out by telling you what you can expect from this show. Each episode of the Read, Write, and Create podcast will include a creative pep talk from yours truly for your writing life. Every episode will be inspired by one of our literary foremothers or forefathers. These episodes will be short and sweet with just enough inspiration to get you off the couch and back at your desk writing the masterpiece you were meant to write. Sometimes I will be joined by other authors and literary legends who will be here to share their best advice for living a productive and prolific literary life. But otherwise, it will just be me here with my literary pom-poms, helping you stay motivated, excited, and inspired to write. But be warned, as a creative writing coach, I will be telling you the truth as I see it. Being a writer requires a level of commitment, dedication, and resilience that will test you. Yes, it will. A writing life isn't easy, my friends. So expect some tough love here as well. But remember, at the end of the day, my goal, both professionally and personally, is to get as many writers of color as possible motivated enough to share their stories with the world. Now, I know how hard it is to keep writing when real life gets in the way. I know it's hard to stay inspired to write when there are bills to pay and your kids are being kids. I know the publishing industry isn't always kind or fair to writers of color. And I know that our stories aren't always valued by the mainstream markets. And I know that even when there aren't any real obstacles in the way, imposter syndrome can still steal your fire. It's hard, but it's not impossible. And quite frankly, I think being a writer is the greatest gift I could have ever been given. And I want you to feel the same way. So that's why I'm here with this podcast, bending your ear with my creative writing pep talks to ignite or reignite your passion for writing, to give you some perspective, to help you organize your life and your mindset so that you can write the stories that you want to write and get them out into the world. Poetry, fiction, nonfiction, whatever it is you want to write, I want to help you get there. So let's get to it. Lesson one. Finding the time to write. So I'm a professor, a former professor, and a coach, and I'm always talking about lessons. So today's lesson one, and that is how do we find the time to write? It's the most important part of being a writer, right? And that's the thing that people are always coming to me with is how can I find the time to write? I can't find enough time to write. That's my problem, time. It's the most common complaint that I hear. 
People are always telling me I don't have the time, my kids, my job, my mother-in-law. Something is always taking up all of my time and I just can't find even five minutes to sit down and get my novel written or my essay drafted or my memoir started. It's just about finding time. I hear you. The struggle is real. I have three children. I know. So this may sound shocking, but there is no way to cheat or hack time. There's 24 hours in a day. Cannot make more of them. Nobody can. No more, no less. We've got 24. People have been trying to cheat time, hack time forever, make time machines, go back in time, get a do-over. But nobody's figured it out. 24 hours is what we have. Now, before I tell you what is the way to find more time to write or to find any time to write, I'm going to tell you a story. Yep, it's story time. I'm going to tell you the story of a woman you may have heard of, and her name is Phyllis Wheatley. And then we're going to talk about finding the time to write. Phyllis Wheatley was a poet, and she was also the first African-American to publish a book in the United States. When her book of poetry, Poems on Various Subjects, Religious and Moral, was published in 1773. Now, that was three years before the United States was actually a country. So we're actually talking about the American colonies. So Wheatley was the first African-American to publish a book in what would become the United States. But she was more than just a first. Wheatley was an actual international literary superstar. Phyllis was born in West Africa in presumably what would be known today as somewhere between Senegal and the Gambia. She was stolen from her homeland by slave traders and then sold to a wealthy white businessman in Boston by the name of John Wheatley. Young Phyllis was only about seven or eight years old at the time of her capture, and it's said that she was both weak and sickly, but John Wheatley bought her anyway as a maid for his wife, Susanna. Phyllis was named Phyllis because that was the name of the ship she was brought in on. So this man was like, I will call you Phyllis because that is the name of the ship you were brought on and given her the last name of her enslaver. So she became Phyllis Wheatley. Now, the Wheatleys realized right away, despite the fact that little Phyllis didn't speak English, that she was very intelligent. And so they decided to educate her along with their own children. By the time she was 12 years old, Phyllis had published her first poem. By the time she was 14 years old, Phyllis Wheatley could read and write in English. She could also read Latin and Greek. And by the time she was only 12 years old, she published her very first poem. Her fame began to spread throughout the colonies and even across the ocean. People are hearing about this young Black girl who is writing poetry that is beautiful and it is being published in England and in New England. And pretty soon, everybody knew the name Phyllis Wheatley. Everybody who could read, that is, of course. <laughs> anyway, she is already getting an international reputation as this young girl who astounded everybody. And abolitionists picked up this messaging also because they were saying, if this young girl at only age 12 is this literate and is this talented, then how are we enslaving people when Black people can obviously be both artistic and intellectual? So she became the abolitionist like poster child of saying it is wrong to enslave people who are obviously so full of potential. Despite her growing fame, Phyllis could not get any of her poems published in a book. She wanted to write a book. She actually 
crafted an entire book of poetry, but no colonial publisher would publish it because she was Black, obviously. Some things never change. Anyway, the Wheatleys were not deterred, and they were like, well, let's go to England and see if we can get her book published there. And sure enough, the Wheatleys took Phyllis to London, and there she was treated like an absolute celebrity. She was meeting with all the rich and famous, fancy people, earls, knights, rich businessmen, and this guy we all know, Mr. Benjamin Franklin. So she's getting an opportunity to chit-chat with all these people. These people want to talk to her. They want to meet her. They want to hear her ideas about poetry and writing and the colonies. And so she's just like a superstar there. And sure enough, it didn't take too long to find a publisher in London who published her first book, Poems on Various Subjects, Religious and Moral, came out in 1773. Unfortunately, because Phyllis is still technically a slave, yep, she's still a slave, she has to go back to Boston and take care of her ailing mistress, Miss Susanna Wheatley. She actually felt very close to John and Susanna, her owners, if you will. And so she went back to Boston to take care of her mistress, who unfortunately died. But after she died, and after Phyllis's incredible fame, they emancipated her. It was like, how can we keep this girl as a slave? She's a freaking published author. She's a literary superstar. So they freed her. And in 1778, Phyllis married her love, John Peters, a free black man from Boston. They had three children together. But unfortunately, this is not a story with a happy ending. Imagine a black woman whose number one skill set is poetry. You're not making a lot of money. You're not making a lot of money today, and you certainly weren't making a lot of money in the newly independent nation of the United States. So Phyllis, to support her family, has to take on work. The only work she finds is as a chambermaid. Her husband struggles to find work, and basically the family lives in abject poverty and squalor to the point where her husband is jailed and put into debtor's prison because that's what they used to do to poor people. They would just put them in jail for not being able to pay their debts. So poor Phyllis, who has always been, remember, sickly and kind of weak physically, she has asthma, and that just, you know, taxes her. She's working basically like a dog, literally working herself to death, keeping her family afloat just barely. Her husband's in prison. Her kids are also born very sickly and weak. But you know what? Even with all of this, Phyllis Wheatley continues to write poetry. She's writing and publishing her poems and submitting her work for her second book. She continuously is trying to submit to publishers to get her second book published, but you know how that goes. Nobody will publish her work. She's still Black, okay? But she never gives up. She always continued to write, submit, write, submit, and she did get individual poems published. But sadly, after the birth of her third child, at age 31, Phyllis Wheatley died due to complications from childbirth. Her poor baby died later that same day. It's a sad, sad story, a sad ending for a beautiful literary light. Quite fittingly, Phyllis's last published poem was called An Elegy on Leaving, and it reads like this. But come, sweet hope, from thy divine retreat. Come to my breast and chase my cares away. Bring calm content to gild my gloomy seat and cheer my bosom with her heavenly ray. Phyllis Wheatley, ladies and gentlemen, Phyllis Wheatley. So that's the story of Phyllis Wheatley, the first African-American literary star, global literary star. Her name was spoken on the lips of people across the ocean from the United States 
to England and elsewhere. That's incredible. So her story is so inspiring, even though it is also very tragic. But Phyllis Wheatley did not die in vain if we take her lessons to heart. And that main lesson is that Phyllis Wheatley did not define herself by her station in life. Enslaved or free, literary star or chambermaid, Phyllis knew she was a poet. She claimed the title and identity of writer. And because of that, she always wrote. She was writing poetry all the time. Even when she had no time. Even when she had three sickly children. Even when there wasn't enough food to eat. Even when people continued to tell her no when she submitted her poems for publication. She continued to write. Now you ask yourself, how did she find the time to write? And here's the secret. She didn't find the time. Phyllis Wheatley made the time to write. And that is the trick, my darlings. This is where we come back to the question, how do I find time to write? And the answer is you won't. You will never find the time to write. Your writing time isn't hidden under a pot in the kitchen. It's not lurking in the back of your closet. Your writing time isn't lost. You don't need to find the time. There's not that you haven't searched long enough and hard enough for those minutes or hours in your day. You're not going to find the time, remember? There's only 24 hours. My friends, you have to make the time to write, just like Phyllis did. Phyllis knew she was a writer, so she wrote. It was as critical to her existence as eating and sleeping. So she made time for it. She had to eat. She had to sleep. She had to write. I don't know if she got up early or went to bed late or skipped lunch. Maybe she was writing while she was supposed to be scrubbing out somebody's chamber pot. I don't know how she made the time. I just know she did. I know she never stopped writing until the day she died because she was literally publishing poems until the day she died. So if writing is that important to you, you simply must make time for it. And I'm not going to tell you how to. I'm not going to tell you when to because everybody's circumstances are different. I don't know what your life looks like. I just know that if it's important to you, if you want to write, if you consider yourself a writer, you have to make the time. And that is possible. If Phyllis Wheatley can do it, you can do it. So don't go looking for time. Steal it. Snatch it away from something else. Make the time. Make the time in the morning before everybody is awake, make the time at night when everyone has gone to bed, make the time on your lunch break at work, make the time on the toilet if you have to. I mean, we all know what we're doing on the toilet these days, right? We are on our phones, we're reading, whatever. Write, just make the time and write. And when you're stuck, when you're like, I can't, I just can't make the time. Yes, you can. And what I want you to do is I want you to remember Phyllis Wheatley. I want you to remember her story. I want you to remember her resilience and her commitment to herself and her craft. Here she was, a black woman in the 1700s working as a freaking chambermaid, knowing the obstacles in front of her were great, knowing that every publisher had said no, and she didn't stop though. She didn't give up hope and she didn't stop writing. So if she can do that in those conditions, then you can too. Now, get up and go write. Okay, writers, I hope this lesson hit for you. I hope that 
Phyllis's story inspires you to figure out how to make the time to write. If you think of yourself as a writer, if you claim the identity as writer, this is what you will have to do. You'll have to make the time to write. If you make the time to eat, if you make the time to sleep, if you make the time to, I don't know, get your nails done, the things that are important to you, you make the time for. So if writing is important for you, make the time for it. All right? Great. I'm rooting for you. I'm cheering for you. I will be here in two weeks. Until then, I want you to keep writing. All right? Go for it. Let's go out with the music. Music.